At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is Saturday afternoon, and I'm drinking a hot cup of Bottom Gun Coffee from my friends at BottomGunCoffee.com. I have another great show lined up for you, but before we get started, I just wanted to mention my new book again. It's called You Have the Watch. A Guided Journal to Become a Leader Worth Following. It's a guided journal for leaders that will walk you through an entire year of leadership training. There are 50 themes in the book, and each day you'll reflect on a different facet of that theme. This journal is designed to be on your desk at work for you to read and reflect on for about 15 minutes each morning. Now, leadership skills are just like any other skills. You need to practice them if you want to get better at them. And this new journal helps leaders practice those skills. So if you're interested in learning more and pre-ordering this guided journal, go to youhavethewatch.com. Now, this is really important. Every order that I receive before March 31st will enter you into a giveaway, and there's only a little, little bit of time left for this giveaway. Now, this uh, we've got 12 prizes we're giving away, and the grand prize is a hand-carved wooden American flag from the Sasquatch Flag Company. Now, if you watch the show on YouTube, you'll see that's the flag, same flag I have right behind me in my podcast studio. It's gorgeous. It's amazing. And uh, it's one of my favorite things. It's handmade uh, and it's wonderful. I mean, you know, again, we live in a world where everything is mass produced. To get something of this quality handmade is special. So that's the grand prize. We also have the second prize is going to be a Ruck Case Humidor from the Warfighter Tobacco Company. If you're into cigars like I am, this is thing's amazing. You pack it up and take it on a trip. It's wonderful. We also have a $50 gift card from the Ship Sheepdog Soap Company, $50 gift card from Chin Up Chest Out Apparel, $50 gift card from uh, Forebear Clothing Company. Five winners will get coffee from my friends at the Bottom Gun Coffee Company. And two winners will get The White Arrow from my friend Noble Brown. This is a great book, and we have two of those we'll give away. So get your pre-order in this week. You only have until March 31st to take advantage of this special offer. Now, if you're looking for other ways to support what I do on the show, purchase any one of my books at johnsrenny.com. Now, listen to this. Podcast listeners, you get a discount every time you order a book. Use the discount code DEEP at checkout. You'll get additional savings. Well, that is it. Today, my guest is Earl Breon. Earl is the CEO of The Leadership Phalanx and the host of the popular Responsible Leadership podcast. He is a United States Marine Corps veteran with over 25 years of experience in coaching and leadership development. He has a love and a passion of history, and he uses these lessons to, from the past to teach valuable leadership lessons in the present. So this was a fun conversation. I know you're going to enjoy it. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started.
Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Earl Breon. Earl is the CEO and founder of the Leadership Phalanx, a leadership development company. He is also the host of the popular Responsible Leadership Podcast, where he has revealing conversations with experienced leaders about the responsibilities of leadership. Earl is a United States Marine Corps veteran with over 25 years of experience in coaching and leadership development. And I am excited to get him on the show to learn from his unique perspective. So, Earl, welcome to the show. John, brother, it's a pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, man, it's great to be here. I was on your show, and now uh, you're on my show, and I'm excited about this. And uh, first thing I want to do is just, you know, talk a little bit about your background. You started your career as a Marine. Uh, Where did you develop your passion for both leadership and history, because history is going to play a part in this discussion. So where did you develop those passions? Yeah, so leadership goes back a little bit before uh, joining the Marine Corps. Um, You know, I was working, I grew up in Northeast Tennessee, and and I was working in a, uh, it was a tomato processing uh, shed. You know, the migrant workers would come pick the fields, and uh, we would process them, right? And for whatever reason, the guy who ran the place saw something in me as a, you know, 15-year-old, and he puts me in charge of uh, this thing called the box loft, which we made all the boxes the tomatoes went into. And all of a sudden, I'm in charge, I'm using air quotes here, I'm in charge <laughs> of people who are in their early to mid-30s, and like I said, I'm 15. And, you know, being 15, you don't get to go up and just, like, start bossing and pushing around people twice your age. So I had to learn these ways to kind of connect with them and and motivate them. And I didn't know at the time that that was what leadership was, but it was what I had to do to get them turned around and bought in. And, and, you know, by developing those skills, we ended up having some of the lowest shutdown rates and all that good stuff that that the box loft had ever had. Going into the Marines, you know, they teach us those 11 leadership principles. uh, And I was like, hey, this makes sense. Um, And then the history piece, again, that's one of the things, I'm sure they did it with you folks in the Navy as well, but they just really pound in Marine Corps history, Marine Corps history. And, And the purpose behind that was if you understand somebody has already been through what you're going through, you know that you can get through it. Somebody's done it. That's the path. And I sat there and I was like, okay, this applies to my military career, but there's got to be more about this. And everywhere I look in history, there's nothing that we're facing today that somebody hasn't already faced. So history gives us a blueprint. Yeah. No, that's great. And, uh, and you know, one of the things I like about your work is that you use history in your lessons, and uh, we'll talk about that. But I think it's a really, really important point. When you see, at least, at least, you know, in the military, I was the same way. I was sucker for all the Navy tradition. You know, so much tradition. And it came back, you know, really from the British Navy into our Navy. And the, But I just loved it, you know, just love that ceremony and the tradition and the history. And like you said, you see the heroes that came before you, right? And you're like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And I think that's a great mindset. And I think that's why the military does it. They do a really good job at teaching us our history. And uh, yeah. And of course, you know, the Marines were, you know, founded in a, in a tavern, which is 
beautiful <laughs> and and fitting right i mean you know, absolutely and, and, fitting yeah and that's one of the things i love with you know talking with with you know my navy brothers and sisters and all that is you know i always joke around because our birthdays are like 28 days apart or something like yeah. that and i always say you know that's just proof the navy couldn't last a month without marines so there you go no we couldn't <laughs> well, absolutely not no yeah. um so let's talk about uh, your uh, your company, the Leadership Phalanx. Uh, what do you guys do? You know, what's your main mission, and who are the types of people you work with? Yeah, so we're really, you know, the old saying is, if you're for everybody, you're for nobody. But I don't believe that because you know we use those those principles I talked about, uh, those eleven principles that we learned in, in the Marines. Uh, my my co-founder, who has since moved on to other things, you know, he learned them in the Army. Uh, but we use those uh, principles. We turned them into this concept of shields using the phalanx. Um, and so we, we bring those in and, and you teach those basic fundamentals, right? Because a lot of the programs that, that we had been through, uh, especially in the private sector, um, they, the way I put it is they teach like master's levels and maybe PhD type leadership but they never give you the fundamental foundation, right? Yeah. And that's what these these principles are, these shields. They're the foundation uh, that are going to give you a strong platform to be able to, uh, to to really take your leadership to the next level. And and then some of those higher level things that that you know you you learn are going to be more easily applicable. Uh, so that that's what we do really is we want to bring it down uh, as my my uh, former partner used to say we put it where the goats can eat it right uh, I mean we bring it down to the dirt level we we, we bring it down and, and the people that we work with you know all walks of life uh, you know I've worked with you know kids on sports teams I've worked with um, with with people in uh, mid to upper level CEO positions and everything in between so. That's what I love about these. They they work in every situation, every scenario, and I've got twenty seven hundred years of history to prove it. <laughs> yeah, they do. You know, it's interesting. Um, I had um, Ken Blanchard on on the show a couple weeks ago, and he's got this book out, and it's just a wonderful book. But it's like these fifty two you know simple principles of leadership. And when I talked to him, I was like, "Why did you write this book? You've written sixty five books. Why this one?" And it was like. You know what? These are simple principles, but they're not, they're common sense, but not commonly applied. And the purpose of this book is to get more people to apply these common lessons, right? Because I think we're missing it so much in, you know, I did 22 years in corporate and we're missing basic leadership skills. Like you said, the stuff that's, that the goats can eat, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's the basic stuff about treating people with respect and uh, being present and these simple things that really no one teaches in, uh, leaders these days. We promote people based on, well, maybe their seniority, maybe their technical skills, uh, maybe their individual contributions, but we never really transition many of our managers into true leaders. And I think the work you're doing is is, is helping people transition from that uh, manager mindset, doing emails and to-do lists to actually leading people, you know, and leading people successfully, right? Yeah, no, and I, and I appreciate it. I think you're right, and and those are the types of people that we really want to work with. Is is those folks who uh, organizations that maybe are struggling with leadership development because you know, I mean, let's just be honest. Some folks who do this charge a buttload of money, and and God bless them for it. Uh, but not every organization can can afford that. 
Uh, and not every organization sees necessarily the value in that. There, there was a, a piece of research that came out. I want to say it was in 2014, 15, and I really wish they'd redo the study. Um, but Harvard Business Review published it. And I want to say there was something around 20,000 respondents across the globe, across all sectors of business. And the the moral of the, the data is most people get promoted into a leadership position, a formal leadership position, somewhere in their early 30s, 31, 32, 33 years old. The first time they receive formal leadership training is somewhere in their early 40s, I think 42 to 44. So there's this 10, 11, 12-year gap where people are learning on the job. And yeah. if you're in an organization where you have great leaders already, okay, that can work out. But let's be honest, we've, we've been there. We've both been around the block a few times. Not every organization is that blessed. Where we can come in is we can fill that 10, 11-year gap uh, with, with a couple-hour seminar, or we can put together like a year-long training package where we can go do a deep dive in each one of these shields and keep those people from making and perpetuating these on-the-job training mistakes. Because that's how these things happen in an organization. You get somebody who's not the best leader, but as you mentioned, is promoted uh, because of their technical competencies, but they're not the best leader. They don't know how to take care of people. And then you expect that person to treat uh, to train the next generation. Well, guess what you're going to get? Somebody who's technically competent, but doesn't know how to treat people well. And that perpetuates through an organization. This easy, applicable type of, of training, we can we can go in and, and kind of get a handle on that and start that cycle of perpetuating better leadership principles and, and habits. I love that. So the idea of a phalanx, I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, so uh, what, why phalanx and what is its significance when it comes to leadership? Why do you use that uh, analogy or that symbolism? Yeah, so that goes back again to the Marines and, you know, the Commandant's Reading List. And one of the pieces of, of literature we had to read on there uh, was Gates of Fire by Stephen Pressfield. Um, not sure if you've ever read it, but if any listeners who haven't, I highly recommend it. Um, but I'm going to read this quote, and, and I got to read it because I never want to get a word wrong because I love what Pressfield wrote here. He says, uh, he's talking about King Leonidas. If you've seen the movie 300, he's talking about King Leonidas. He says, a king does not abide within his tent while his men bleed and die upon the field. A king does not dine while his men go hungry, nor sleep when they stand watch upon the wall. A king does not command his men's loyalty through fear, nor purchase it with gold. He earns their love by the sweat of his own back and the pains he endures for their sake. That which comprises the harshest burden, a king lifts first and sets down last. A king does not require service of those he leads, but provides it to them. A king does not expend his substance to enslave men, but by his conduct and example makes them free. Mm. The first time I read that, it and it does right now, sends chills down my spine. And so I got really enamored with that type of, of culture. And so the phalanx was the formation that the Spartans used. And the thing that was so unique about it was it really required teamwork. You weren't protecting yourself in the phalanx formation. You were protecting the person next to you. Mm -hmm. um, and when everybody did their job and worked together, the, the phalanx formation was the most feared formation of its time. Nobody could break through it. You know, 
in the movie, they talk about 300, and they say going up against like 2 million uh, Persians. The real numbers were somewhere around seven, 800 Greeks. There were only 300 Spartans, and then about two or 300,000 Persians, roughly. Uh, but still, that small a number against those large of odds shows when everybody's working together, when all those shields are bound together, there's magic there. And so that was where we come up with this this phalanx and this idea of these shields is because as we talk about these 11 uh, shields, if you use them all together, if you interlock them the way a phalanx is supposed to work, man, it's, it's just some of the strongest leadership and easiest leadership develop that you can find. Interesting. Interesting. Anyway, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about, you know, my my military career, which was on a submarine, you know, and there was this thing that we had, which is really unique in the military. There was this shared responsibility and vulnerabilities, right? If one person didn't their didn't do their job, we would, we would, we could all perish and 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 we wouldn't we wouldn't uh complete the mission, right? And I think about the phalanx is the same way, right? Everybody has a responsibility, everybody has a job to do. You are you are doing the job for the person beside you, not necessarily for, um, you know, for any other purpose. You're, you're, and if one person doesn't do their job, doesn't put the shield right, then that phalanx is vulnerable, which is very interesting. So you're saying these shields all have to be used. They have to be interlocked because if, if one isn't used properly, then you have a situation where there's a weakness in the, in the phalanx, right? Yeah, 100%. So, you know, for instance, uh, one of the shields is you're always on display, Right. That's something we all have to keep in mind, right? We're, we're driving down the road. Somebody cuts us off. We start yelling, screaming, flipping people off and going bananas because we're in the safety of our own car, right? Yeah. But how do we know that that person that works for us isn't in the car next to us or in the car behind us? And yeah. they see us acting all crazy. And then we go into work and we start trying to talk to them about how we need to be cool, calm, and collective and how we need to treat people with respect and dignity. And they're sitting there thinking in their minds, I just saw you acting a fool and flipping people off in traffic. And if you don't remember that you're always on display, that people are always watching, then you can't talk to them about introspection and improvement because they know that you're being disingenuous right off the bat. Yeah, absolutely. I had a guest on my show, uh, Marjorie Casteman. She's a combat veteran and she's running for U.S. Senate now. And she said something that really stood out to me. She said, light is not heard, it's seen. And when it comes to our leadership, it's the same thing. People will uh, see us more than they will listen to our words. So they're looking for consistency. Like you said, are you consistent with the things that you say and your actions? Because you're on stage 24-7, right? And you, everyone's watching you. They see when you come in. They see when you leave. They see when you're late to a meeting. They see where you spend your hours. Are you behind a closed door? Are you out in, you know, where your people are? And so, yeah, I love that first shield that you talk about is that, you know, we, we're, we're, we're being watched at all times. And, and, and our leadership, our influence uh, is our actions, right? Not necessarily our words. In fact, our actions speak louder than our words, which is what Marjorie was trying to say is that they see the light. They don't hear it. And uh, I think that's really an important aspect of it. So you, you talk about there's these 11 shields of leadership as part of the phalanx, and these are all interlocking and, and, uh, and critical for, for leadership. Now, are these, when you do the training and you, you go through all these 11, is that typically what you do is you walk leaders through these 11 and, and, and they're, you know, the importance of each of them? 
Right, exactly. And it, it depends, again, on, on, you know, their needs. Like if, if we're going into, if I'm going into an organization and we're doing small team training and they only need a couple hours, we'll do a quick crash course on each one of them. If we want to do a longer, uh, uh, a longer contract, if you will, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do one a month and we'll do a really deep dive and a, and a summary at the end. Uh, if I'm working one-on-one coaching, we're going to go through each one of these and talk about them and, and use examples uh, through life. And one of the reasons why I like to do it that way is, you know, going back to talking about history, the one reason why the Spartan culture kind of, you know, went out of favor after being so successful was, you know, people figured it out that if you knock one of these shields out, you weaken the line and they become vulnerable. And they started dragging them into uh, terrain where the phalanx became uh, basically um, neutralized, if you will. And, you know, that's what I I tell people today is like people, most people are going to be cheering for you to succeed. They want you to be a good leader. They want you to have success. They want you to do all these things. But there are people who are going to drag you into that terrain to try to knock uh, some of these shields off the phalanx. They're going to try to goad you into lashing out so people see that on display. They're going to try to goad you into hoarding power instead of sharing power out so people start not trusting you. And so you got to be on guard for that too because as strong as they are, if you're not watching out, people can use this strength against you and, and you got to be on, on guard for that. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. One ping only, please. As I thought, John Rennie's new book, All in the Same Boat, is right over there. It's at allinthesameboatbook.com. Your orders are to get there now. And remember, be careful what you shoot at. Most things in here don't react too well to bullets. Is your boss a jerk? I understand you're in the hospital, but I'm going to need you to come in today. Do they lack any ability to actually lead people? Oh, it's fine. I'll I'll just find somebody else that can do it, okay? John is offering a new service just for you. For only $10, he will anonymously mail a copy of his best-selling book, I Have the Watch, to your boss with a personal note. Go to IHaveTheWatch.com and enter the discount code BOSS at checkout. I definitely saw that in my corporate career where... You know, we were trying to do things the right way. And then people would say, well, you can't do that. You have to do it this way. You know, like, for example, one thing I used to do is I used to do a lot of like just little rewards here and there, uh, you know, Walmart gift cards, things like that. When, when, when things got done, you know, we, we achieved some, some, some uh, you know, important milestones, things like that. But I used to do a lot of giveaways, a lot of, a lot of things. And then, and then HR corporate found out about it. Like, oh, this is all taxable events. You have to, you have to, you know, we have to make that part of their salary and taxable and it has to go through us. And, and at, you know, at the end of the day, it wasn't, it wasn't as effective as what these little rewards and little things we were doing to reinforce positive behaviors. And it was like that shield got taken away from me. You know, the one thing that I was doing that was really good, they took it away from me. And it's like, all right, I'm going to keep going. But, you know, it, it's harder when, when they take away your shields, you know, and I think part of the reason I'm an entrepreneur is that corporate in, in a way sometimes will, will not honor some of those good ways to lead. And I think that's where I, that's where I suffered, at least in my, my corporate career is I, I got frustrated with too many of my shields being taken away from me. <laughs> so, 
Yeah. Well, no, and that's a good, you know, that's a good point there, right? So, like, if I'm coaching somebody and they come to me with that, then we're going to have a conversation about about flanking. And I'm sure you guys talked about flanking on subs, right? Uh, But I go back to, again, history. Uh, One of Sun Tzu's things was uh, Sun Tzu says, as a a general rule, never attack a heavily fortified position. Yes. So, okay, so HR says, well, you can't do this. It's a taxable event. Okay, fine. What can you do? Right. We're not going to attack that position. It's too heavily fortified. HR knows their stuff. And, you know, they're probably right. There's IRS rules. We can't attack that position. But what can we do to flank and get away from the heavily fortified position and come about and say, okay, um, can I throw it as a company picnic? Uh, can I do just a, a simple certificate? Right. Cause, uh, science shows us that, that yes, money and all that good stuff is, is great, but you get almost an identical response just by praising somebody in public and telling their peers what a great job they did and why, uh, they're worthy of recognition. It's not the the thing attached to it. It's the fact that you care enough as the leader to call them out for their good behavior instead of doing what most leaders do, which is only recognizing people when they screw up. Yeah, that's a big part. I love that. Yeah, catch them, catch them doing things right. Yeah, yeah the big part of it. You you have one of the shields, and I thought that was interesting, and I wanted to ask you more about it. One of your shields is look for opportunities uh, and own the outcomes. What do you mean by owning the outcomes? Yeah. So, uh, and I'm sure you probably heard this saying before, but you know, there, there's a saying that says that uh, teams succeed, but leaders fail. Um, and that's what I mean really about owning the outcomes is, is first it's, it's, it's look for those opportunities, right? Don't be afraid to take the opportunities when they come, but don't be afraid to go out there and look for opportunities for growth. Whatever it is, it's going to be something unique to your business. Uh, maybe you're going to be launching a new product line. Maybe you're going to be uh, doing version two of, of, a, of a popular product. It's not a new line. You're doing the next version. Or you know, maybe you want to start a leadership development uh, program in your organization. Whatever it is, look for those opportunities. But when you do, you got to take ultimate ownership of that. Whatever happens, if it succeeds, fine, great. Everybody wants to praise when stuff succeeds, but nobody wants to to, to take the, the lumps when something fails. And I'm not one of those people, uh, I don't fear failure, right? I don't like it. Uh, it leaves a bitter taste in my mouth. But yes, I, I do believe that you're, you're not failing, you're learning. But I think if you're in tune, and this is where... Um, this is where all the shields come in together, right? So uh, when you know your team, right, and you're looking out for them and you know those strengths and weaknesses, you're able to identify those opportunities for success a lot better so you can mitigate the chance of failure. Um, but ownership, it's a big thing. You know, Jocko Willink wrote, wrote the book Extreme Ownership. Uh, but I go back and uh, I use the story of Gene Kranz and the Apollo 1 mission. And for those, again, history. For those of you who know uh, the Apollo 1 mission, the, the, the astronauts burn up on the pad. The capsule had a malfunction. There was a spark. The oxygen uh, burnt them up. All three of them died. Um, but Gene Kranz, he had looked for this opportunity to lead NASA to the moon, right? And he knew he had to own the outcomes. And so what he did is immediately he got with his, his team and he gave them, you know, kind of a, a speech, if you will, that's known as the Kranz Dictum. And I don't have it here to, to read verbatim, but 
The point of it is he took ownership of what happened there, and he challenged them to take ownership. He said, you know, we didn't see the signs. We tried to push this thing. We tried to meet the deadline at all costs. We don't know what the uh, investigation is going to find, but I know what I find, and I find that we were lacking. And here are the things that we can do to never get caught like that again. By the time the investigation came around, because he took ownership of it, they had already put changes in place. They had already taken care of, of what led up to the disaster. And there was nothing for the investigation to, to do at that point. There was nobody to call on the carpet. They'd already taken responsibility. And it, in all honesty, probably saved Cran's job. And so fast forward to Apollo 13, if he doesn't handle that situation through ownership of the situation, he's probably not sitting there in mission control when Apollo 13 happens. And we don't know how that disaster goes from there. We know it ended up great now. But if he's not there with those leadership skills and able to take ownership and built that trust over those years, do those astronauts make it home? I don't know. Yeah, that's a great point. I think you 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 hit the nail on the head with ownership. I think too many times we have bosses that are only that only care about their career. You know, anything bad happens, they they point the blame to their people. Anything good happens, they take full credit. Uh, when they, you know they're they're quick to throw people under the bus when uh, you know when anything bad happens, they don't want any negative light shine shining on their career, and. Everybody knows that, right? When you work for a person like this, everybody knows it. And you know that that boss doesn't have your back when things go wrong, right? And so you're less than you're less willing to take chances. You're less willing to risk putting you sticking your neck out because you know your boss won't protect you. And in the, and in the case, you know, of NASA, in the case of that story, you knew you had a boss that was going to take responsibility and he was going to take ownership and he was going to, he realizes that, you know, when, when there's a failure, it's my responsibility as the leader. And I think too many people try to pass off that responsibility to their people. So, yeah, that's a great, that's a super important lesson. And, uh, and I'm really glad you brought that up because I think that's a big part of leadership is, is taking ownership, good or bad. You take, you take responsibility and you never can delegate responsibility as a leader. I think that's really important. Yeah. And and I'll tell you, I've had people push back uh, on that. Uh, You know, it's not my fault. Johnny did this. Okay. Well, look, you put Johnny on the team. That's it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you failed at assessing Johnny's capabilities or you didn't give Johnny the support that he needed. You still failed in that situation. It's still your fault. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly right. Yep. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you one thing on, on this. You mentioned cog- cognitive diversity. What is that and why is it so valuable? I do like the idea of diversity, but I'm curious about cognitive diversity. Yeah, so cognitive diversity is, I mean, it, it, as it sounds, it's diversity of thought. It's its really intentionally going out and seeking people that think differently from you uh, to, to innovate, solve problems. Um, you know, we think about diversity in some of those traditional dimensions, but we never really, most organizations never really think about the cognitive piece, right? And yes, it's important to go out and, and, and have a diverse uh, along those traditional dimensions, a diverse workforce. But you can have a diverse workforce where everybody is thinking together, uh, thinks the same way, comes from generally the same background. That can happen, but you meet those demographic pieces, right? Cognitive diversity is is looking for people that think different. Uh, there's a lot of, of great examples out there. Um, as a submariner guy, you probably have you know, heard the story of the USS Scorpion, I would imagine, right? 
Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that was a case of finding that submarine was a case of cognitive diversity. And there's a whole long uh, story I'm going behind that. But uh, people, people who had never set foot on a search grid were able to find the submarine that went missing in the middle of the North Atlantic Ocean within 200 feet, mm. right? And, and the Navy uh, had spent months looking for this submarine, but they finally decided to listen to these folks and using cognitive adversity, they were able to get within 200 feet. So that's what it is. I mean, uh, there's a lot behind it. There's a great um, Professor Scott Page out of the University of Michigan uh, he has mathematically proven that there is no point where cognitive diversity becomes detrimental. You will always find better solutions and better answers by bringing in more people that think differently uh, than you do. And that sounds counterintuitive to a lot of people. Like, well, you're going to get bogged down uh, with, with crosstalk and all that. And, you know, I teach a, a method of, of kind of mitigating that, um, but yeah, that, that's what cognitive diversity is, and it's it's the most powerful type of diversity, in my opinion, uh, because it's always going to get you to a better solution, whatever the problem is you're trying to solve. Yeah, that's great. Love that because uh, that's something I truly believe in too. I mean, you know, when I've, when I've looked at leadership teams in the past, I want I want the people that came up through the ranks, but I also want people from the outside that 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 came from different companies and had different ways of looking at it. Because when you bring that together, and the other thing is a mixture of old and older, more experienced employees and then younger, because you, when you mix that all up, you know, you get this, you get this amazing, uh, not everybody's thinking the same way. You get this amazing insight, right? And the other thing I always talk about is make sure you, you capture the ideas from the quietest person in the room, because those, usually those, those people are thinking while other people are talking. And if you can try to catch that, Man, the, it's it's magic, and when you have all that diversity of thought, dif- different backgrounds, opinions, uh, you know, different experiences, man, when you put that together, it's it's wild. I mean, you, I mean, you know, in the military, right, in the Marine Corps, you were dealing with people from every walk of life, right, every part of the country, every race, every every ethnicity, every um, religious background, uh, every every accent. I know your accent's a little different than mine, but. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, we and we all came together to, and we accomplished a mission, you know, these really important missions and we kept each other safe. And I think that that is really important in business as well, too. So I'm glad you brought that up. And it's a really important point. Yeah. And, and you're dead, uh, dead straight right there, because, you know, I grew up in northeast Tennessee. Uh, the, the first person I met that wasn't raised a Southern Baptist was my rack mate in boot camp, uh, uh, Virk. And uh, he was Muslim, and I had to stay with him while he did his daily prayers. Yeah. And so, you know, fast forward to September 11th, and people start talking about, you know, Muslims are terrorists. I'm like, no, you're not going to convince yeah. me that my buddy is a terrorist. Uh, I don't yeah. want to hear that. And, and yeah, and, and that's it, right, is I was able to have, when, when that would come up, I was able to have those conversations with folks yeah. who didn't have that experience. Yeah. But, no, you're wrong. We got plenty of patriotic Muslims in the U.S. who are fighting for us, for our freedom. So, no, yeah. that's not true. Yeah, I love it. I, that, that's, a, that's a great part about the military that people don't recognize is some of the things that we were exposed to that, you know, gave us a different different look about diversity than, than other people might do. So when you're locked in a metal tube for three months with people from every walk of life, you're going to learn how to get along. And these become your buddies. They're, they're truly the people you care deeply about. 
Well, yeah. and like I said, when you were on my show, like you, you guys who volunteer to get locked in that metal tube for three months, you're a special kind already. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're, we're a bit unique. That's for sure. <laughs> I was actually just reading a story about uh, a submarine crew uh, that, that flew a kite. They, they submerged a ship or they, they launched a kite. Somehow they built a homemade kite. They launched this kite they flew it and they submerged the boat and they and they saw they just to see how long they could fly this kite from for no other reason just for pure entertainment and when i read the story i was like that's a submariner for you we'll just do that just for fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah never mind the fact that it kind of gives everybody an idea of where you're at right <laughs> doesn't make any sense but it's like let's see if we can do it and how long yeah. we can do it for <laughs> but yeah so, uh, go ahead sorry no i was going to say yeah no no but there you go that's cognitive diversity right the yeah. group thought of that and how to make it work. Yeah, exactly. I love it. So um, tell us about the Responsible uh, responsible Leadership Podcast. You know, what is the purpose of your show? I know you've been doing it for a couple of years now and you've got like 170 episodes. It's wonderful. I'm so glad I was on, be able to uh, be able to come on your show. What are, what are the type of guests you have? What, what are the kind of discussions that you typically have on your show? Yeah, so it's recently, you know, been rebranded. I started out as the Burden of Command podcast, and then episode 150, we rebranded it to the Responsible Leadership podcast. Um, and that was after working with some SEO folks about, hey, nobody looks for the words burden or command, so let's let's make it a little more SEO friendly. But the point of the show is, is uh, I wanted to, I started hearing a lot of the military leadership being used in the private sector and a lot of jargon being kicked around and and command and burden of command was when I started hearing. And uh, just on a whim one day, I asked somebody, I said, okay, what is what does burden of command mean to you? And they really didn't know. Um, and they thought about it for a little bit and they came back with an answer. And I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, I'm just curious what People think about the burden of command who have who have maybe been in the military, but, you know, maybe not. So I've had a lot of guests on my show from all walks of life, and I started them all off with that same question. It started out as, what does the burden of command mean to you? And now I ask them, what does responsible leadership look like to you? Generally the same question, just a slightly different wording. Um, but that's it, right? Because I want people to really kind of think about all of those burdens that come with leadership. You know, a lot of people think about the fancy car, the the nice gym memberships, whatever the perks are of your organization. But look, here's the thing, and this this is the sobering reality I want people to really think about it is, those are great, but the responsibilities of leadership are taking care of your people. They choose to follow you for whatever reason. You pay them well, uh, but most people don't follow the paycheck. They follow the person who's really going to take care of them. And that means sometimes they're going to have medical issues. They're going to have families with medical issues. People are going to die. Um, you know, these, these things that we don't like to think of, right? But it's all part of that responsibility of leadership and, and how well you take care of your people is going to be a direct indicator of the type of success your organization has. Mm -hmm. And so I want people to really think about that. And when I use the term burden, everybody's like, well, I don't really see burden. Uh, leadership as a burden. It's a privilege. Yes, it's both. Right. Because burden gets a bad rap, but burden just means a heavy load. Yep. And if you don't see leadership as a heavy load and you don't take it serious that somebody does trust you enough to follow you, you can make a lot of missteps when that person needs you for whatever the reasons are. Right. 
And so that's why I really started the podcast, is to get people to thinking about that other side of leadership, about the fact that you, your leadership has an impact not only on the people that work in your organization, but how they treat their family when they go home, how they treat the people they interact with out in, uh, out in, in public, um, and just really start thinking about how can you take care and nurture and foster the people who have chose to follow you. Well, that's uh, fantastic. And I really do encourage everyone that's on listening to this is that you uh, find the Responsible Leadership Podcast and subscribe to it because I think you're going to get a lot of education from it. I think Earl takes a very similar approach that I do, but uh, takes a little bit uh, different tack to it. But, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you're trying to get better as a leader, you've got to find resources. And I really do highly recommend that you look at the Responsible Leadership Podcast as a resource to uh you know, to again, keep getting better as a leader. It's a constant battle. I've been doing, I've been doing this 30 years and I'm always learning things every day. I'm learning something new. So I highly recommend this podcast. So Earl, how can people find out more about you, uh, your company and uh, your podcast? Yeah. uh, Thanks for that. I think the the best place is just go to our website. It's Leadership Phalanx. And for those who don't know how to spell phalanx, it's (laughs) P-H-A-L-A-N-X. It's an old word, uh, but leadershipphalanx.com. And everything's listed there. Uh, The podcast is there under the TRL podcast uh, link. You can find out more about me. Uh, Yeah, all all of the stuff there. Social media, really big on Facebook and Twitter, and that's about it. I haven't figured out the TikTok and the Instagram stuff yet. Uh, But but those are it. So you can find everything there. All right, fantastic. We're going to put a link in the show notes for that. And uh, Earl, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your really unique perspective on leadership. So thanks for being on the show. Yeah, brother. No, I appreciate it. And and good luck with your show. And, and folks, I just want to take a second and, and echo there for John. Make sure you're subscribing, rating, reviewing his show. It's a great show. I'm, a, I'm honored to be on here. And you know, all I got to say is fair winds and following seas, brother. <laughs> well said. Well, thank you very much. All right. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Till next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. 
Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast.